Let's continue our series together. This is our final week of this series of Let's Be Honest. This series in Lent where we have been allowing God to look in at our heart and we've been looking at through the lens of the Ten Commandments uh, all the way through. And it's been, it's been a fun study. I don't, know about, I don't know if you've enjoyed it as much as I have. I kind of get geeky about these things. Uh, but man, what a fun journey this has been. And today, we finish our journey. And uh, we get ready for Good Friday. And so, um, if you have your Bibles, just go ahead and turn to, um, turn to Exodus 20. And we're going to read verse 17. Exodus chapter 20, verse 17. You can get your Bible however you do that, whether it's on an electronic device or in the book. Uh, if you don't have either of those, you can grab the book, the Bible in front of you in the pew. And if you don't have a Bible, we want you to take one home with you. So just take that one with you and continue reading and uh, come back and ask questions. And I, I just love when that, that happens. So here's our final commandment. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male or female servants his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Let's hear the Word. Let's pray. Father, come and bless this ancient teaching and help us to understand the depths of it. For we pray all of this in Your name. Amen. So this is, uh, this is a difficult one. Uh, it's probably why it's at the end. Is one more thing for us to think about and look at. And it's difficult in many ways, but I'll, I'll tell you today, my, my main dilemma is trying to help us enter in uh, to this study is kind of like trying to describe to a fish what water is. It's kind of like trying to explain what oxygen is and air is uh, to us as human beings. I mean, we can have scientific knowledge, but to begin to interact with this commandment is something that we are so steeped in in our day and age and in our culture. I mean, just think about it. I mean, we, I am bombarded every day with advertisement after advertisement after advertisement after advertisement. You just see this all over. I mean, how many, if you think about it, just take, just take like two seconds and think, on my way into work, how many billboards do I pass? All right, now add to that, how many commercials do you hear on the radio to you on your, on your way into work? Then while you're at work, how many ads pop up in Google or Facebook? Not that any of you would be on Facebook during work hours. Then think about how many commercials you hear on the way home. Then think about... Uh, how many billboards you pass going the other way that are, that are uh, showing you other things. Then think about when you sit down and you watch television. How many commercials do you, do you see? And then if you're doing any kind of work on your computer or your smartphone or wherever you do that, how many commercials are you shown? And then just know that, you know, these commercials, they subtly say something to you, right? I mean, the shoe works if you do. Ugh. Or, or uh, unlock the 007 in you. you know, I thought I already had. Uh, and then, of course, the favorite one, smell like a man, man. Come on. 
Look at you. Look at me. Now back to your man. Uh, it says something to me every day when you see these things. It says something that I am not complete, that there's something missing, that there's something that I've got to have and I need to make plans in order to get that thing, whatever it is, so that I'll be complete, so that I'll have what I have and I'll know that I am 007 or that I smell like a man or that I can make shoes work, you know, and I can do all the things that come along with those. But we are bombarded with these things. Some studies show that some of us are bombarded with up to 10,000 advertisements in a day. Now, you don't remember all of them, but you are constantly, constantly bombarded with image after image after image. And they say some of the same things. I mean, do you see that one on the far, on the far left there? It's a pear. It says, this is no shape for a girl. I, I cut it off because it's an advertisement for win, women's undergarments. But, but it, says, it says things there. The thing you want when you ordered a salad, even when you did the, raw, the right thing, look, this is what you really want. This is what you really need. This is what would complete you. Sometimes it, it, uh, it, it plays into how we want to see ourselves. You've got the guy parachuting or skydiving along with his Mercedes skydiving next to him. It says, as extreme as you are. But it's all about getting you to move into the rhythms to see that maybe you don't have everything that you need. And you've got to pull this. You've got to buy this. You've got to make plans to do this. Now, I want you to this is so ingrained and this is what makes it so difficult to talk about is because this is so wrapped up in our way of doing life. It's so wrapped up. That's why I said it's like water to a fish or it's like air to us as human beings. It is so wrapped up and our economy thrives on making you dissatisfied with who you are so that you will buy something to help you feel satisfied temporarily with who you are. And then as soon as you buy the latest gadget, six months later, it's obsolete and you've got to start all over again. And do the next thing and the next thing. If you don't believe me, I I read one study. It said if the women from just Canada and the United States, if they woke up and looked in the mirror and said, man, I look good. No hair product today. No makeup. No, nothing like that. No concealer. If they did that for a week, it would be worse on the economy than the airline crisis after 9-11. That's how wrapped up in this we have to have these things to satisfy us. We spend this much. We plan. We do all of these kinds of things. This is really the heart of what this commandment is beginning to get at. I love this song. Now, I'm a big Switchfoot fan, I know. Uh, But I, I found myself, as I was doing study for this message, thinking of this song that they sing, Lonely Nation. This is this is back in the day, too. But they said, we are the target market. We set the corporate target. We are slaves of what we want. And then in talking about advertisement and billboards and stuff, it says they sing without tongues. They scream at you without lungs. And I want more than a lonely nation. Because if I have to get all of these things and there's only so much of it to get, then I have to get it before you get it. And that means that there's some, even if it's subtle, there is a subtle distinction, a subtle separation between you and me. 
We begin to see. Are you, are, you, are you entering in this with me? You see how this is very pervasive and difficult for us to get at. So what does God say about this? What does God have to say into this? What is this commandment all about? So we have to remember that, first of all, Yahweh is the God who wants to set people free and does. And He wants those people to remain free. And that's what we've been talking about with these commandments. This is what it looks like to live into freedom. Now, He realizes that the folks that He has just saved are those who have been slaves for 400 years. There have been new patterns that have been imprinted upon their conscious and their subconscious in the ways that they live and the ways that they interact. And so some of our commandments are about teaching them again how to be a human being and not a human doing, which is what a slave is. You are not a machine. Your value is not based on what you can produce. That's why you're to rest. Every seven days. That's why when your parents, their productivity drops off as they're getting older or through illness or something, you don't push them aside. You honor them. You continue to do that. Life is precious. It comes from God. And so last week we looked at that we don't kill. We don't actually kill. We don't kill relationships. We don't kill through stealing what they need to survive. And we don't kill with our words. We don't do that. We're a community of life. We move together in these rhythms. And then God understands and knows that mindsets take time to change. I want you to think about that. For 400 years, we had Israelites that were slaving in the mud pits, making bricks. And think about where they were at that day and age. They were at the world's only superpower of that day. They, they were building these colossal monuments to kings. They were in the mud pits making bricks, looking at the riches and the wealth of Egypt who had everything that they needed, anything that they wanted, they had. They had military might and power. They had riches and influence. They had boats that went up and down the Nile. They had kings that just were lavished in gold. I mean, their tombs were, in today's day and age, would be billions of dollars. And they've been seeing this. Do you think if that was you, if that's how you and your family had grown up, that you might be a little bit prone to say, oh, I just wish I had some of that. Oh, give me, give me some of that. I, I, oh, I, I think if I could do this, I could, I could begin to move into that. And so God places this commandment in there because He knows that the last stronghold that needs to be broken in order for people to be truly free is their mindsets have to be changed. And this mindset has been shaped by 400 years of wanting and needs time. To change. So let's look at the word that we translate covet. Because it's more than just you, you and I think about it in this way, right? You see the put your favorite brand of car in there, whatever it might be, Ferrari, Bugatti, Ford pickup, you know, whatever. You see it driving down the road and oh, I want that. Now in olden days you might say, oh, that's bad. That's terrible. You know, no. Um, 
No, we'll, we'll talk about that in just a second. That's not the full amount. Now, it can be a part of that. It can become something that just traps us where we're constantly thinking about that thing or as we saw in our commandment, that person or those things that give you the ability to work harder. That's all, you know, in the, the wife, not coveting the wife, not coveting the donkey or the ox. Um, we can get into those rhythms too, but there's something more that's there. When we think about this word, and the word is hamad. Can we say that together? Hamad. Ready one more time? Hamad. And you know we're going to do it three times because I've trained you well. One, two, three. Hamad. And it, it has this idea about thinking and about the wants, but it involves more than that. It's not just the thinking about, but it is the taking of steps and the planning of steps to achieve the having. All right? So it begins to take on a little more of a life of its own. It begins to be a part of looking at and undermining so that I can receive what they have. Now, I want you to lean in. If you're asleep right now, wake up, okay? There is a distinct difference. You're all awake, right? If the person next to you looks awake, I give you permission to do one of these. I want you to go out of here not. I want you to understand this, okay? This is not about saying you just stay in your place and don't work hard. You know, all those kinds of things. It's not about moving up in the world. This is not about that. Because when we're looking at this place, and this is where, what makes it so difficult for us to talk about. Because we live in a culture of complete excess. There are plenty of Ford pickups. And if, if we run out in 2018, trust me, the 2019s are on the way. And they'll be even better. But in this day and age, for you to desire and plan to take steps to take your neighbor's donkey, because you think that's better than your donkey or because you don't have a donkey, might mean that it injures that other person along the way. It denies them their ability for what they've worked hard for or those kinds of things. And so, don't get trapped in this idea of, well, I should just, you know, stay in my place and all the... No, you can work, you can work hard and those kinds of things. But when your mindset begins to be that you only have value if you have that donkey, or if you have that Ford pickup truck, or if you wear those clothes, or those kinds of things, and all of your planning and all of your thinking is consumed with making it to the next thing, to owning the next level, to, to getting that new computer, to, to whatever that might be for you, that is when we begin to tread upon this covenant or this, this commandment. That is when we begin, because what gets off, what gets off in that moment is that we begin to see again that we are only what we have and not who we are or more importantly, whose we are. And we are God's. God is the one who saves us out of this and wants to call us out of this mindset so that we can begin to realize there is enough for us and God will provide and we will do this together. And how can we move in different rhythms so that everyone makes it together? 
This is important. So I want to I want to say something um, because this is the part of the sermon where we say, okay, so what are you going to do with this? This commandment. What is this going to mean for you during this season of Lent? And I have to make a disclaimer, and I want you to know your pastor is a human being. Can I get an amen? All right? So I love, you know me, I love to study the Hebrew language and the Greek language, and I try to present that to you. And last week, I made a big deal about saying that the you of the commandments, you know, you shall not... Uh, have any other gods before me, you shall not, you shall not kill, you shall not commit adultery, that it was plural. Man, I, I totally botched that. It's not. It's singular. I don't know what God woke me up or what, but uh, as I was translating this last one, I'm like, oh wait, that ending makes it singular. Oh. Um, well, they're all singular. <laughs> now, my only saving grace is that it doesn't change the message any because God presented this through Moses, to a group of individuals. But when I saw this, I began to think about it. It's really, it can be really easy to hide in a group, can't it? And say, I'm just along with them, and, I, and so I'm, just gonna, I'm kind of with them. Yeah, I, I haven't said anything, but I'm with these people, right? And so the commandments, no. It is a commandment that you as an individual have to accept and realize. And say yes to in your life. Or no to in your life. Now, what you're saying yes to is yes, I commit to live out these commandments with this group of people who have also all as individuals said yes and we're going to do it together. Okay? But it is an individual commitment for you today. And so I want to ask you, singular, and if I had time, I'd call you each by name. What are you going to do with this commandment? Where is God saying to you as an individual, hey, are there things that you are just have your mindset so set on that says when I get that thing, when I live in that home, when I live in that district, when my kid gets into that college, when, when I finally know that skill, when I then I will have value. Then I will have arrived. Then I will have made it. To you, I want you to know that the God who longs to set you free says to you as an individual, no, you have value because you are mine. And I made you and I filled you with life and I am calling you to live in freedom, in full life, if you will say yes to the commandment with a group of people and travel with a group of people who have also said yes to this commandment. This can change things. So what can you do about this? If, you, if you're kind of wrestling with this commandment, what can you do about it? Well, this is why the church talks about giving. Okay? I want you to know that. I, I read somewhere, I can't for the life of me think of who, it, who, who said it, but I read this quote. It said, the church doesn't ask people to give because we serve a poor God who doesn't have anything. We ask the church to give because God is generous and God invites us to be like God. Because we are called to, what have we said all through these commandments? 
to look like God in the world, to be God's image in the world. And if God is generous, then we should be generous. And we show that, we begin to see that through our giving. We give so that we can begin to see this. It restores a right relationship with our money. So what will we do? Will we commit to giving as a, as a group? Now I've, now I've moved on. I hope you've said yes as an individual. Now we're in the collective. We're us together. What are we going to do together? I mean, we have one opportunity coming up here in just, just next week. What are we going to give to World Evangelism Fund, which is money that we take in that goes out into the global mission of God's church? Will we give to that as a group? What will be our portion that begins to help churches that have less than we do? Can we give with that attitude of God is so generous and I want to see what living generously is like. And so I'm going to give towards the world mission. I'm going to give a little bit extra. I'm going to do without just a little bit so that I can give into that. And I want to say yes to God's commandment, not to covet, but to live in generosity. I want to do that. Some of you have been following on the bulletin and you see uh, where we're a little behind here and that, here and there, you know, a couple thousand. What if we, some of us who have extra, maybe, maybe you've tithed all your life and it's a good discipline for you. Maybe for you, God would call you to do a little more. I, I wonder if there is somebody who would take the challenge or a group of somebodies who would take the challenge between now and the end of our church fiscal year, which is the end of May. And say, I'm going to do one week of a double tithe. I'm going to give not 10%, I'm going to give 20%. I don't care how you break it up. You can take all those 10 weeks or whatever and break a little bit down. But I want to give because I want to say yes to this covenant. I want to try God's generosity and to live like God and to give a little more to just see the needs met over overall. Would you be willing to do that? Who would take the challenge? I'm not going to have you sign up on a card or do anything like that. This is between you and God and the community that you are journeying with. What will you do? What will be your part? What will you give? How will you enter back into the life of generosity? With that, we begin to move towards the table. The table of the generous God who so loved the world He gave. He gave His one and only. He gave His best. He held nothing back from us. And so as we come, we come with our mindsets, wherever they may be. I, I hope no one feels ashamed as they're, they're leaving. Shame does nobody any good. But maybe there are some of us who feel guilty. <laughs> Guilt is okay. It's something that says there's something that needs to change in my heart. And the good news is God longs to do that for you and in you. And I want you to come and receive. And I pray that as you receive bread and cup, we believe that as you receive this simple thing, this bread and this little bit of juice, you receive everything you need for your spiritual journey for this week and beyond. So I want you to come. And if you need to take just a little moment to talk between you and God about where your mindset is around giving, around generosity, 
If you would say, God, really in my heart, I'm making steps and plans all the time to just kind of get to that next place, hoping that I will be of value. And you need to hear, no, I've given everything for you. You have value in who you are. Just take some bread and cup, receive everything you need, and then we'll talk about how we enter back into the rhythms, the proper rhythms of generosity and grace so that you look like me out in your world. Some good stuff. Some great stuff. And so let me pray and bless this. I want to serve everybody because I want to invite you to the table of the Lord. So if you have any nervousness about this, please don't be nervous. The only thing I ask you, are you hungry for the God who is generous? If you're hungry for that God, you can come to the table. If this is your first time here, or if you've been here all your life, I just invite you to come and receive. So let's pray. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, He took bread and He broke it and He said, this is My body broken for you. Take and eat. And He took cup later on and He said, this is My blood shed for you. The new covenant that gives you eternal life. Take and drink. Oh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, come. And may these simple things of bread and cup, may they bless these people that You have called me to lead. May they give them everything they need. May it challenge them to live in the generous ways that look like You. I pray that in our giving, we would begin to enter into those rhythms. But help us to receive all that we need in the name of the One who gave everything for us. The name of Jesus. Amen.